wild theory time. And that's, <laughs> I think, that Great. with Endorsey going after Rachel, I think Rachel is going to capture Endorsey and hold her actually as almost hostage leverage, Ooh, um, okay. either against Bam or luring Bam. Because AOA, that's a triple play. New episodes of Kenway. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages? Welcome back to the AOA show. I'm your host, as always, Ian, along with the boys, Isaiah. Yo, yo, oh, hi, yo. And Gavin. What is Gucci Shoes? And we're here again, really, we never left, with part literally. two, literally, <laughs> of our TOG questions segment uh, that we do each and every week. Be a part of it. Join our Discord. If you ask the question an hour after our live streams in the TOG questions section of our Discord, you might just end up in one of our discussions like some of the brilliant people who pose their questions today. So, we're going to uh, clean it up here. Gavin. Hit us up with the first question. Might as well hop right into it. <laughs> Gavin's with us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I forgot. That's actually not a normal thing. I was like, something's different, and I'm not saying it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Gavin. But Gavin's not normally here for the second discussion. We got to do, because Attack on Titan was canceled, unfortunately, for obvious reasons. Ian still hasn't accepted it. I haven't. No, I've been checking Crunchyroll like every 20 minutes to see if they Is put it, it up. actually done that. Yeah, that and he threatened to call the president of Asia. So, yeah. so we're not in a good place. I was going to call the CEO of Attack on Titan, and I was going to voice my complaint <laughs> to the manager. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't happy about it, but... It did provide some light at the end of the tunnel in the sense that we get Gavin for our second discussion here because it gave mm -hmm. us some more time for some Tower of God. and Which means, Gavin, you have big shields to fill. Yeah. If your answers aren't incredibly good, uh, you've wasted all our time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the light at the end of the tunnel or literally more darkness in an already dark tunnel. So you will be the determining factor. Question number one. Say my name, mate. Thank you for the question. I had to say it like that. It is just amazing. It's too good of a name to not say it like that. Um, so that means that I love you. Uh, so, you know, take that endearingly. Season three starts with a rather slow pace and sets up uh, and sets up what's to come up. Uh, what do you guys think will happen with the weird animal Kuhn saw? Uh, thoughts on where the Emily plot line is going after 300 some chapters after the workshop battle. Uh, thoughts on Gato and Kanzan. Um, who is the better dad? Snake Man mentioned their captain several times. Thoughts on who it is. Wow. wow. This guy must have slid by all the mods on that one. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good, though. Honestly, don't the for, uh, I would say for what do you guys think about the weird animal coon saw? We actually have another person who asked a similar question later. Mm -hmm. So don't even worry about answering that part of the question. Hopefully it alleviates some of it. And, you know, just rapid fire it. Okay, um, so then I guess the first one, thoughts on where Emily plotline is going after 300-some chapters after the workshop battle. Um, you know, oddly enough, I, I, I kind of forgot about Emily. So for, for, I. I think, I think yeah, mm. most of us did. Um, and then kind of when, you know, they had the plot of, you know, Indoor C obviously doing some BDSM on um, our boy the Traveler, <laughs> trying to get his phone to see what Travel Chad. he has the Travel Chad. Um, <laughs> I genuinely think, I was talking to them before about it, that he literally just has, like, some, the only reason why he's not giving the password is he has no relevant information other than, like, just him messaging Emily and probably saying the most embarrassing <laughs> and um, even dirtiest stuff on there, and he just doesn't want anybody to know about it because that is, like, the most... Like, not relatable thing, but, like, I could just, like, that is just something someone would it's do. Hilarious. Especially, it's like, oh, let me see your phone right now and, like, see any message you sent with your girlfriend. Like, you're going to be like, no, like, why would I do that, you know? And it's, like, that similar, like, thought process, um, which is actually hilarious. <laughs> he would rather die. Yeah, quite literally. Um, So, other than that being hilarious, I have really... Not no clue, because obviously her character, uh, or not her character, but Emily in general... um. It, it was important at its time, and obviously, you know, the ties that she has in on, like, the inner mechanisms of the tower and being able to communicate with really anybody who has a cell phone and, like, feed whatever information she wants when it can be tampered with by whoever has control of Emily. So that can still be, you know, a crucial part in the tower, even if maybe, like, using her to, you know, hack into certain databases and, you know, get access to other, you know, data, which could be, you know, played on further on in the story. Really, that's the only, like, adaptation I can really see, like, efficient use of her, you know? Like, other than um, being able to 
you know, take that data and turn it into a human, which was like another contention way back when, if, you know, all of a sudden they're able to do that. And now Emily is this walking being who I, I really even don't know what she would be like, you know, put her thumb in like a USB drive and like hack a whole system. Like I don't, I, I don't, it's been so long since we've seen her. I don't know, like, the actual, you know... Can she really do anything? the same things know. that she was doing on the prior floors? They just haven't utilized it? I think so. Maybe. Well, I think the, the like, main thing is that... It seems silly to not utilize that. Is that the, the higher up they go on floors, the smaller their circle of potential influence gets. Because you're, now you're not dealing with, like, some random regulars, or you're not dealing with, like, the ranker, or, like, maybe even the dude who knows this floor best. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with, like, people who are close to Jihad Circle, and it's like, I'm not trusting this random fucking message. Like, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it becomes harder to trick people with Exactly. That. So I feel like the only adaptation you can use of her, then, is to... Is, so obviously, that's a route you can't go, so what's another way you can go? Is use Emily and, you know, all of that networking that she has and capabilities to hack into, say, Jihad's, like, personal devices and like maybe the top 10 families personal devices and you're able to then extract information or possibly classified information from them that normal people wouldn't know and use it in that sort of way maybe to get like blackmail on them or other dirt or you know even intercept messages that are being sent to other family heads or other people and you know even physically change them and i I, like that's the thing it would have to be more of like a tactical hacker point of view i feel uh with utilization of emily um and other than that it just feels weird from the explanation that you gave uh, so that's my thoughts on that. uh yeah so the thoughts on i, I kind of agree that it's like you obviously can't use emily the same way that she has been used mm-hmm. because the the playing field is just different now i i could see you still using emily in that way but like exclusively trying to trick the people going up these floors right so like bam's company you know what i mean like they're obviously you know sure like they've had emily used against them but it's like once you get into like the nitty-gritty of who said what and if you use emily you know correctly um and strategically to like move around information of who said what and who should be going where and who's meeting who where then like yeah i guess like potentially that makes emily always at least somewhat relevant in the sense that like really what like it's you're not it's not something like everybody's checking emily for information because like i said we said again now our our company we know not to do that like we we're on to that stuff but like if you use Emily to contact somebody else who then gets in touch with you and then has connections to another, like if you use Emily for networking, but like essentially networking for the purpose of like tricking or trapping other people, she essentially always stays relevant because Emily is just like a, a means to an end. It's just a way that you get in contact with, get form alliances or get information on X, Y, or Z people. So I could see Emily working. And I do actually though think that like way end game, um, Emily is going to be worked into you know the how we tackle jihad's empire because what like i said before while i don't think it's as easy as being like as like texting you know one of the head families and it's like oh well i got this message it's got to be true um because they're they're a tight-knit you know group i do think that the one advantage emily has is her as a item ability weapon is something that doesn't really exist in the tower right that was the whole thing it's like we created emily which is kind of insane because this 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 item with this kind of potential doesn't work this is essentially a weapon of technology which is something that's never been weaponized in the tower which means the only advantage we have over the 10 heads and jihad's empire is they've, they've never seen a weapon like this so how, how do they fight something they don't even know exists so like i could see emily being worked into like oh we'll use emily to get into this place or or you know bypass this person or whatever i don't know necessarily but i do think emily is going to be worked in later later game and i could see maybe even with the whole endorsey uh interrogating traveler like if there is i don't think there could be something like on his phone where it's like he was texting like emily and like has the secrets to her code or whatever the fuck but like there could be something on his phone that like leads to traces of like how he got contacted by emily because remember, he wasn't the only person that Emily contacted. So, like, something that leads to either A, where Emily is now, or how to, a different way to use Emily. But that's my thing. And then the other one, uh, thoughts on Gato and Kanzon. Um, they're pretty cool. Kind of just seem like yeser, yeser, lesser um, Yamas, if I'm being honest. Um, they don't really stand out to me too much in terms of, like, they're, like, being distinct. Um, but I guess, you know, they're kind of his lackey, so that that's, you know a natural consequence um who is the better dad both not great <laughs> is, is Kanzon's son louis no so i i if i if i'm wrong this could be flopped but i believe gato is the father of um 
uh, what's his name starts with the G or Deng Deng. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Kanzong. It's he has he has the daughter. Yeah, who's like ripped out of her mind. Oh, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you're so totally right. I yeah. guess if we're going off of surface level, I would assume Kanzong's the better father in a sense because it seems like his daughter doesn't want to run away from him and is somewhat thriving. Although, being could we argue that Dang Dang having a mindset that is not the same thing as literally everybody else in the society leads to like a different mind and a well more well, well that's a different mind but that's like saying but it, the thing is who's a better dad you know like it made him a better person but it's like you know you have a guy who's like uh, daughter sure, is somewhat thriving true. compared to the abusive dad who probably like put his son to kill millions of yeah, people. yeah. watch him like, be like, like you know it's, he's like and they yeah, both yeah, did yeah. the same thing but that's you know true. like that outcome as a person doesn't make you ah you convinced me cousins chat was dad. going ham by the way because i was calling him gato at first too and apparently it's gato and people were like dying they thought that was the whole like hilarious in chat because i was Why? saying I don't know, just oh. like just saying Gato, oh, just like saying, they just thought like, it the was funny that, that I was saying it like was that. Gato, Gato, uh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even matter because he's a terrible father. Uh, <laughs> so his name is irrelevant. Um, and Snake Man mentioned their captain several times. Who do you think he is? Um, I don't know. Snake Man is, uh, yeah. Snake Man, I, <laughs> yeah, he's on like this like weird like eighth party shit where he just like. Whatever he's got going on kind of feels like so... Dis- I mean, I'm sure it's Tower God. It'll be like, oh, he was actually working with Jihad the whole time or whatever. But, like, right now, it just feels so disconnected and so not a part of what <laughs> everything else we yeah, got going yeah. on. Like, he's like, take us to Jihad or... or um. I'm Jin sorry. Uh, yeah, or we'll show you where Jin Sung is. We yeah. The fight with Jihad, like, we want in. And it's like, okay, my guy, why? Like, <laughs> who are you, what do you... Aren't you... Last I checked, he was the dude... Um, Isn't he the one from uh, the uh, the Hidden Floor? But just like the grown-up adult version of the the snake thing that endorsed that uh that like made Endorsey a princess. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, I, don't, I oh, or if that's what his, I don't know. No, yeah, because uh, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that is their captain in a weird way. But then again, he was a princess hunter, the hidden floor, because that or that was Endorsey. Interesting. I didn't know this guy was going to be that huh. relevant, but I mean, sometimes in Tower God they do that. Where well, that's the thing. I think like right now it's like, who are you? But like twenty chapters from now, it's going to be like, oh, you're that guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, but it would make sense if like this snake guy had like some relation with like Endorsey's like I think she referred to him as a father or like a father figure, or whatever that snake yeah. guy. But the Princess Hunter. So like, I wonder if they have ties. What that they got it. You do snakes. You know, I do snakes. Do sna- we do the snake thing. Well, think yeah. about it. You think everybody in Yama's club is just like, oh, you're a dog? T-? No, it's like we all know we, we're all the same because we can like live together. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I guess what's interesting <laughs> on that is if that is, say, hypothetically, that is his captain, you know, mm-hmm. the many snake guy with a Dorsey, I, I like it's he is the princess hunter, like he grooms princesses. So I wonder what beef he would have against Jihad because this snake guy obviously said, we want to go, you know, help you on your fight to destroy Jihad or whatever. So I wonder if like maybe seeing on the hidden floor, you know, the possible captain, like I'm going to call big snake, little snake, that him being big snake, if that was maybe like something to him going with Dorsey is like, symbolic and showing a change in his mindset where he's like, you know, latching in onto Endorsey, seeing how she's going against the normal princess duties and like kind of going against Jihad. And maybe that is like an inclining on why he like wanted to come to her and why he wasn't aggressive against her and maybe sharing a similar mindset and seeing it develop in a way. I have no clue completely out of my ass. And if he's not the captain, it's going to be very embarrassing, but you know, just don't be too embarrassed because honestly yeah, yeah. there's like little to here. no information yeah. besides oh, that guy has yeah. snake things and the other guy. Yeah. The only things. reason I think he's relevant is because this person bothered to put him in the question. <laughs> like, that's it. That's literally <laughs> that's it. That's fair. Deductive <laughs> Otherwise I there. wouldn't even be giving him a second thought. <laughs> no, yeah. that is fair. Yeah. I don't know. I think, yeah, the, the big one here is Emily's plot line and you guys kind of already took that one and, uh, and said everything there really was to say about it. So I'm going to move on to the next question here, which is by Anaketh K. Thank you for the question. Anaketh asks, what do you think Deng Deng's status within the cage looks like? Will Yama's praise for him incite any negative feelings from other underlings, or do you think the others under Yama's command simply couldn't care less? So let me break this down and unpack this one at a time. What do you think Deng Deng's status within the cage looks like? Um, Do we mean when this fang game goes down or just like yeah because the, the cage is in you know 
that's the name of the, the place that they're holding this whole thing. So remember how they were like, oh, Excuse this me. festival is supposed to be a big deal because Dang Dang is going to be there, who is the son of, um, what is it, Gato, 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 Wado? Gato. Um, uh, Gato, who is the running, the reigning champ. Nobody, like he's Nobody's ever beaten him. So they're like, and they're like, oh, rumor, I, or like, you know, rumor has it or whatever that like one of the only ways to, um, you know, sort of shake th- those things up or change it is by having somebody of the same bloodline or, or whatever as, you know, enter the festival. So okay. I just want to throw a thing. I actually don't, although I see what you're saying, I don't agree. I don't think that's what they're talking about in this question because um, they referred that place that you're talking about where the event's being hold, held isn't the cage. The cage is really referred to any room because they said, like, when they went to go meet Yama, they're like, we're going to Yama's cage. Like, they don't say, like, oh, you're going to room A, room B. Like, everything is in that, like, cage, you know, perspective. So I think it's more like dang dang status like within everybody in general because then it kind of makes sense with the follow-up where the where it's like with yama's praise for him incite any negative feelings from other underlings so like for me when i read it i'm like dang dang status is a prodigy who's like kind of the step above everybody else you know in a way where it's like he's very strong he's very prominent but he doesn't look it so you know he has a very aggressive you know state however with that would it praise incite any negative feelings from underlings naturally with the environment that they have? Yes, because obviously if you're an under, underling, the whole purpose is to beat anybody above you. So there's going to be animosity sure. and hatred and fear, but it comes with the re- respect too. With Dang Dang personally, I don't think there's going to be as much respect there, you know, just based off of his character and kind of like how he looks physically. But um, I do think... So, so pretty much I do think there is negative feelings toward him and animosity, but there also is a level of respect that has to be there just based off of who he is. But I think that's how it's questioned more because I know Cage wasn't like just one specific place. They said it in a couple different rooms that they went into where they're like, we're going into this cage, we're going into this cage, we're going into that one. So okay. I don't know if that's Well, screw it. We'll break it down with both. Way. We'll do both. Um, so looking at it the way Isaiah was talking about, how do I think this is going to play out? Um, I think that... Deng Deng has to win, right? Because that was the game Bomb made with Yama, where he said, mm-hmm. if we, you know, if we win, then we we get to get out of here. And if you win, Bomb's dead. So like there's gotta be some way, I would assume, that he wins um through trickery or or whatever. Maybe he's just that good. Um, I think his status is you know, it's shaky at best right now, but I think for narrative purposes, it makes more sense that he wins. And maybe that's a cop-out for me to say that because I'm like, well, duh, Bomb has to live. So the story goes on. And I could be wrong, but that's uh, that usually has not steered me too wrong with stories like this. So uh, that's my assumption there. I think he's going to win. To take it in your perspective, uh, his his Yama's admiration for him seems to be high, especially due to the fact that Yama almost finds it comical that he like he doesn't he almost brushes off the fact that dang dang doesn't fight ever mm-hmm. like he's not like son of a bitch go kill him right now like he's always like bring him back dang dang's gonna be here oh i want to see this little pup fight and it's like yama have you not been getting the memo here that like he's not about this and he seems to just not care it's just like no he's going to like it's fine he's gonna do that so i feel like he has a spot for uh dang dang in his stone heart <laughs> if there is one or his rapidly wild heart um, and he wants him to succeed, but I might be looking too far into that. So I think that yeah, uh, that Dang Dang, within the confines of this society, is is looked upon well. But the issue is, from what we've seen, that that kind of doesn't matter because even if you're kind of top dog, no pun intended, in the society, you really don't have the greatest life unless you are like the top dog, unless you are Yama or like the top three dudes. And even I would argue just Yama because Yama is the one who's like, y'all are going to do what I say when I say it because I'm just top dog, literally. So even though they're treated with I guess, respect, and he doesn't immediately kill them or whatever, they still kind of just have to do his bidding. Mm -hmm. So it's like second place is almost as bad as last, if that makes sense. Like you either, you're either the alpha or you're, or you're not the alpha, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's how I look at it there to answer it in that way. Uh, And will Yama's praise for him incite any negative feelings for, from the underlings? Or do you think the other, uh, Others under Yama's command simply couldn't care less. Um, I think that may, if anyone cares, it's probably the people that are high, but obviously not. Yeah, like they're 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 
higher. Like there are people that are threatened by Dang Dang's presence where it's like, okay, he can be actually be strong enough to dethrone me from my spot uh, with Yama or something like that. Then maybe they'll harbor negative feelings where it's like, we got to get rid of this kid because the status quo needs to be maintained. Like, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, Gatto has been kind of ruling the roost on that thing. And like, we've been going along well, so maybe there, but I don't think anyone other Dang Dang would be really be like, all like pissed off because I think a lot of them kind of this is kind of like a no bullshit society like they kind of get the deal like I don't even feel like they have the time to like harbor a bunch of resentment and like be like you know pouty about it and like negative feelings maybe in the sense of like rage and aggression not like even, that not even jealousy because Yama is the top dog if he's showing specific praise for you know one of the like lower dogs like I feel it's just a natural thing in that society that they're going to be jealous like hey you know this is the person we have most respect for why are they respecting like why is he showing you who's like pretty much on the same level as us more respect than sure, any of us? Like, sure. You know? I think, uh, I think, I think maybe for higher ups, they, they would feel that sort of really? resentment, but yeah, I feel like for lower ones, it's like, they don't have the time. Like there's really, I guess the reason is they don't have to ask that question. Like, why does he get more respect than us? Because like, he's stronger than you straight up. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, like his, he, he could beat your ass at any given time. Well, like and this the is higher ups is his father and oh, is his father and one other guy. So that's the thing. Like it's Gato and Ken uh, Calzone or what can. <laughs> so it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like it'd be weird. Like, I don't, I, well, see I, mean, I didn't, doesn't have to necessarily be those two. Wait, are like, you saying Dang Dang is stronger than some of the other underlings? What? When you say that, like, the, that, like, there's a hierarchy, right? There's, there's Yama at the top, and he has his two top dogs, which would be, uh, Kanzan uh, and Gato. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Gato and, and Kenzon. And uh, did he say there were three? Was there another guy? Or was it just those two? Whatever. He has those two there, yeah. and then it's a hierarchy, right? Oh, there Mad are, Dog might be the other one. Okay. Uh, yeah, or he's, like, below Kenzon or, or something. Below, yeah, he was, something like that. Point is, is that it's almost like a pyramid thing, yeah, right? Yeah, Where yeah, it's, like, Yama's at the top, those guys are there, and then there are clearly guys that not are not on the level of Kanzon yeah. and, and stuff like that, but then they're higher than people lower. Mm-hmm, yeah. What I'm saying is that Dang Dang, I don't, I think maybe inspires resentment from the people that are above him on the hierarchy that feel, but are above him, but not that much where they are actually threatened by his potential power and presence. And especially the, the favoritism that Yama shows him because he's clearly a prodigy. He's, you know, he's working up the chain. I think those people, the ones that are actually threatened might show some sort of emotion in that where it's like conniving, scheming stuff like that to keep the status quo. I think the people under him, uh, Sure, they could show like a like a little bit of jealousy, but I guess at the end of the day, it's like this society is based strictly on like a power dynamic. So I don't think it would be necessarily oh like why does Dang Dang get all this attention right when they're younger under him? Like I think it's pretty abundantly clear why he gets the attention, and that's just because he's stronger than you. Like that's it. Well, that's well, that's just the thing. It's the assumption that he is stronger than them. Well, from what we've seen, Dang Dang's not a fighter. So I think the jealousy would come in the fact of like why is he praise as being better than me when I know I'm a better fighter. Like, Dang Dang's clearly not a fighter. That's the Yeah, the but just because you don't like to fight doesn't make you not a better fighter, though. Dang Dang no, 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 doesn't no, I, have to I fight I get that, bad. but I'm saying the the people under him, though, who do love to fight would be, like, would, would question that. They'd but what like, I'm well, saying is those people under him, like, when I say the people under him, I'm saying that that doesn't mean that they're better fighters than him, right? So, sure, like if they could be jealous where it's like they're up above him and they're like, well, I know I'm a better fighter than him, but like his power is threatening me. Um, the people that are lower than him are lower than him because they're not, they can't beat him. Right. Yeah. But if they, if the society works in that, like you have to prove you have strength, Mm-hmm. Before I'm like, yeah, you're better than me. Dang Dang's never proven that he's better than anybody. He's well, he, he clearly has through the language that they've used about him. They regard him as an actual prodigy. So whether he's like going in those fights, like he's clearly shown well, something. Well, but that's the to thing. Yama he's a he's a prodigy people because he's the son of Gato. But, but Dang I, Dang's never. I done think anything there's more to, to it than that because the way they talk about him is like Dang Dang's kind of the real deal here. Like if anyone's going to be able to beat him, it's him. And I don't. Well, think, I, 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 I my think thing is, I think Yama it. thinks that. Like I think Yama is banking on the tradition of Gato's bloodline here, mm-hmm. and that's why he's like, oh, I'm putting all my stuff. Like that's why he's been going so ham on trying and caring and trying to get Dang Dang as a as a fighting dog. 
because he's like, if I can work this kid enough, I can turn him into like a real menace. I have like he has to be able to turn into one because yeah. look where he comes from. That's but fair. I, I, don't think I just Dang think Dang that at is. some point they might have like there might have been something where it's like they've seen it like his capabilities, they've seen him cut loose or something because he doesn't use that sort of same verbiage and language when it comes to maybe say Kenzon's child, who for all intents and purposes should have the bloodline. They might be just as powerful, etc. So although Deng Deng doesn't fight, so there might be something like that. I still think that they know that Deng Deng is strong. Um, so I think well, that, that in, the, a, in a in a society that values power and who is stronger than whoever else, like if you got beef with it, then fight him. You know what I mean? Like I don't think Yama has an issue with someone being like, I want to challenge so and so. And I don't think he's going to be like, eh, well, I don't know. Like, I think he's fully confident, Deng Deng, that it's like, yeah, this is going to go down. So I just, like, with a hierarchy that's well, strictly think, based off of so power, I think that you off with what you people. said. Well, well, no, with what he said, it's Deng Deng hasn't been in the picture. So if anybody had beef with him, they weren't able to fight him. So now that he's getting thrown back into the picture and quite literally during this festival, like, where he is going to automatically fill the shoe because Yama says it, even if it's not people drastically under him, say people who feel that they're on the same level as Dang Dang, and even if they might not be, mentally they feel like they are, again, with the whole world that you're explaining about in this whole pyramid scheme, for me, I feel like these negative feelings would bo- would come in every aspect, like from above and below. It would quite, it's, it's quite frankly a struggle, and it's supposed to be like negative feelings for whoever's above you, and again, a, a negative feelings for if you're above someone, people below you who are rising, because that ultimate respect comes with being that top dog, that number one. So it's like, unless you are that number one, well, so let me let me clarify something here. When I initially answered this question, I said yes, there would be negative emotions in terms mm-hmm. of anger and things like that, and you know, like aggression and stuff like and that. Like I'm not saying things. that there. Well, no, that's what. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, there might be little bits of that, but I was differentiating the fact that I think that the higher-ups have more of, um, I think it's more likely, personally, that there would be some sort of resentment and conniving and scheming in that way. I was breaking down what the negative emotions would produce, whereas the people under them in a society that's based strictly off of, are you stronger than this guy? Like, I, and, you know, it's not like they just take anyone off the street. Like, these people have to be super strong. They have a shitload of high uh, rankers, etc. I just think that, you know, sure, they're going to have, like, negative feelings. But I guess I was going a little further into the question saying that I don't think that those people, quite frankly, have the time to brew and stew on those things in order, you know, because then that just takes away from time that they could be using to train or mm. do something about it, right? It just seems a little weird and and uh, time-consuming to, like, kind of burrow and resent and just not do anything about it in a society that's just based off of power because then you are therefore weak. And well, they wouldn't be like face. just sitting, doing nothing and being jealous. Like they could be training and yeah. be jealous. And though. using that, re- like, using and that's that what I'm saying. I'm saying they don't have, they don't have the time for like, I don't think they, I don't think their time is best served going towards, you know, like just stewing in that resentment. So that's why I was breaking down the question. That's why I was saying, yeah, there are going to be negative emotions, but I just feel like the upper negative emotions might differ from the lower negative emotions. No, no, no. I, yeah, I'm just saying, I'm saying I don't, if if the underlings were jealous, like they don't have to like, that's not taking time away from them training. They could train and still be jealous of him. I mean, I get that. That's what I'm saying. I said, they can still do that. I'm saying it would not be well served though, for them to take that jealousy and then hide in a corner and do it. I'm not saying they're doing that. I'm just saying, that's why I was breaking down the question. I was saying negative feelings could lead to that path. I'm just saying I don't think in this society that it would benefit them to take that path. I'm not saying they're taking it. And I'm saying, sure, they could be a little jealous or resentful, but the point is is that you could train and do all that kind of stuff, but, like, at the end of the day, you just got to put your money where your mouth is, you know? So it's like, okay, if you're really that pissed off about it, like, go fight him. So I think that it just, like, doesn't serve them much time. Like, it doesn't serve them well. I just feel like part of their society isn't, like, that doesn't uh, that's not something that's like put to the forefront where it's like, oh, okay, just like kind of brewing it. Like if they got a problem, like come and say it, and then we'll. But if like what Gavin said, whatever. where if they've never had the chance to fight, then 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 like that's where the frustration comes from. Well, we don't know that. This is it. this is all speculating. You know what I mean? Like there could have been people. Well, that Den Den's did never and said he's been in whatever. a single fight though. So up until he does. Why would you assume he's is there a, a panel that says Den Den says I've never been in a single fight? Like I feel like we're just like pulling a lot of stuff now. If you like, well, that no, the, the only up, fact is we don't know, and 
uh, we we should move on. But either way, I for me, it's just I, I, I honestly we'll go to question three. I mean, unless you guys want to talk about it. No, so. I just I mean yeah, we're kind of just going in circles. And we're derailing. <laughs> no, I'm just I, I, who? Oh, so you're three. So go for it. We're just going in circles. Okay. Um, thir- uh, third question comes from Kenshi. He says, I just noticed this after seeing the thumbnails of your Tower God live streams, but do you think that the butterfly peacock symbol of the Fug Elder is similar or related to the three-eyed symbol on Jihad's arm? In Hidden Floor, Arc, uh, episode 307, could the symbols of have similar origins, or is it just a coincidence, uh, or is it modeled slash based <coughs> off Jihad? There was a screenshot for this as well, if you needed to refer to it. I don't know if you are able to oh, drag okay. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I will, okay, I'll try, oh my God. That, yeah. just for reference. Um, do I, uh, do I think they're related? Probably. I, I think like. <laughs> Pretty uncanny. <laughs> yeah, I think the way that most of the stuff in this story works is that like, you know, it's like the everything is modeled after or, or, or made to directly oppose and it, something that already exists. So, like, if Jihad's empire came first and he had, like, the whole three-eye set up, like, this might imply that, like, th- like there's a delineation between the pattern on Jihad's arm there, which, like, may have been something from Arlene, and then maybe, like, Fug took that and made this, you know, weird butterfly thing. And, like, you know, I don't know if they, like, added more to it or whatever, but, like, you know, sort of did their own thing with it, and now that's what the Fug symbol is, you know, which is, again, there's a connection to Arlene, who is connected to Jihad, and that's why Jihad would have it. Um, I don't know, because that just makes the most sense. It would be weird if, like, everybody... Because these, these fights feel so too way too close to each other for them to be like, yeah, we just had, like, the art team whip up a, a cool logo for us. Um, you know, every, everything... I feel like it has to mean something, and, and mean something in the, specifically in the sense that it has to be connected to whoever they're opposing, whatever it is they stand for. Hmm. So I, I, I do actually agree with most things you said. Something that kind of pops in my mind that completely could be irrelevant, but I'm just going to blare it, um, is Jihad symbol obviously is the, you know, the three eyes. Um, and in a weird way, if you kind of tilt it sideways, it's almost like a cocoon. And then like with their symbol, they take the same three eyes and reorient it in the shape of a butterfly. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's like almost symbolic in a way where it's like, this is Jihad, Jihad, this is Jihad <laughs> and like, you know, in a cocoon state where he created this castle and isn't allowing it to flourish where it's like, this is the opposition. Like we're going to take that and we're going to create it into something different, uh, being a butterfly after it sheds out of its cocoon, uh, being the caterpillar doing so. Um, so that was just a little tidbit I wanted to throw in there that seemed interesting, but, um, yeah, I kind of like Isaiah, Isaiah's take on it where it's like, um, like a de evolution or like a newly evolved state from like something that like derailed from its original origin. Yeah, I can yeah. see that too. Kind of taking a piece of what Arlene's thing was, or vice versa, right? Because technically, I guess Fug was initiated after Jihad, you know, ruled the roost. Yeah. So, like, Jihad actually could have been the first version of that. Which and they true. just kind of took that, a li- it could go reverse. They could have taken that a little further. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, distorting what that image is or kind of using it to create something more might be there. Um, it might just be c- purely coincidental, though, that they look pretty similar with it. Uh, but I can see where you could draw those comparisons. I, I could see it as like Jihad kind of wearing that as like a-, a weird remembrance of her, you know, where it's like he hasn't completely let it go uh, or something like that. But I'm just heavily speculating at this point. So I mean, we do know that there was like, I think it wasn't it the floor of death. There was a statue to Arlene that he had taken down. Yeah, yeah, that's um, where the hand of our. So maybe he left. could be yeah. in a way like rewriting, trying to re- again rewrite history here and be like, no, our, this was never Arlene's thing; it was mine. Like I, this was my thing. You guys perverted it and turned it into this fug group. I don't know what that is. You know what I mean? Because mm. he also seems just kind of petty like that. Yeah, fug comes up. We're here to kill you, fug. Who's fug? You know, yeah. he just like yeah. <laughs> keeps whisking it off. <laughs> That'd be funny. Uh, mm. Gavin, I think you have the next question, my dude. Ooh, the next question is by Divine Mage. Um, what are your thoughts on Karaka trusting Bam to find Deng Dang? Um, and then Bam takes over the ne- negotiations with Yama. Um, honestly, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, just because, like, knowing Karaka and just being, like, you know, seemingly this cynical, deep, dark, you know, like, almost villainous type character. Um, and then, you know, pairing him directly with Bam, who is, like, the complete opposite and just, like, you know, amazing and cute and it's, like, Cute, and then you have Chihuahua Worm Baby. You know, it's just that that dynamic, which is amazing. Um, but um, 
it takes a lot. I would feel like it would take a lot from Karaka to trust Bam with something like finding Dang Dang, especially with the stakes that are on the line, because, you know, obviously they're trying to use Dang Dang as leverage, you know, to get to, um, you know, the whole Caliban situation and Jinsung and such. So it's like it, when it comes to Karaka, like Jinsung was, you know, he, he felt the same feelings that Bam is feeling toward him now. And obviously he wants to get there and, you know, resolve this and avenge him. And like all those emotions are same or are the same. So like, you know, for just knowing Karaka for who he is and trusting, you know, a complete opposite of a person who he was quite literally trying to kill into doing something so integral to the, just their whole plan really takes a lot of growth from Karaka, which is pretty cool. Um, and I'm interesting to see how far that really goes, which was tested in the negotiations with Yama, because obviously Bam did not cue him in on anything and completely spit on his face and did whatever the <laughs> fuck he wanted, um, which was funny. But um, even after coming out of that, we were like joking around where it's like, yep, this is where Karaka kills Bam, you know, like just, <laughs> just kind of squashed all over that. Um, but even then I feel like Karaka almost take, like took it pretty well where it's like, all right, we kind of have to follow through with this and like keep on going. And, you know, they had some words exchanged, but um, yeah, I altogether, I thought Karaka handled it a lot better than what I had initially anticipated. Um, yeah. And it's pretty dope. I'm starting to like Karaka a lot, a lot. One of the, one of the, one of the cool ones. <laughs> yeah. Karaka's his own dude. Um, he's like, um, he's seeing things in bomb, but bomb definitely is. Uh, I'm, I'm just take the wheel here. Karaka don't mind me. And Karaka is like, you little shit. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, bro. Um, so it makes sense that he's like, all right, um, you want to play like that? Okay. If I find him, you know, I'm going to find him. And matter <laughs> of fact, if I find him, I'm make my own deal. So get bent, you know, yeah, like, that was fun. sure, go ahead, do what you got to do kid. Yeah. But like, I'm not helping you with it. I'm not required to. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, you know, Bomb had some brass balls there, but I mean, we referred to this in the last discussion. Um, I love the fact that Bomb went in with a plan, and I love that his negotiation skills were good, you know, in that moment. I, I would have to assume, you know, obviously Bomb cued in the boys on that um, mm -hmm. and his team and said, this is what we're going to do. This is the plan. And uh, uh, it's working so far. You know, he's taking it one step at a time. But when he chooses to try and have his cake and eat it too, he's got to be well prepared for that because it's going to take double the work, you know, to do it. But again, I've, I've stated it before. I think this is very important for Bomb. And I think Bomb is absolutely right in the sense that uh, Yama has no reason not to turn around and just be like, okay, I got what I want. Piss off. Like, you're not, what are you going to do? Fight me? You know, what are you going to do? Stand up to me? I'm that much stronger than you. And Bomb is kind of cutting that out of the equation already by just confronting it preemptively where it's like, okay, I already know you're going to, you know, be this guy or most likely. So sure, if you're going to play that game, if you're going to, you know, wave your, you know, huge body in my face and just, you know, get all uppity and shit, then I'm going to, I'm going to give it right back to you because I know this is going to happen anyway, but guess what? You don't have Dang Dang right now. So I have a little bit of negotiation here. You know, I have a little bit mm -hmm. of tools and you're going to see me as an equal by the end of this. Uh, and then I know I really have your trust, right? Because now you actually have staken it and you respect me as a person. So uh, I think it's interesting stuff. Yeah, uh, I think it's interesting that Karaka trusts Bam um, to, to find Dang Dang. I don't know. I don't Trust kind of feels like a weird word to me though because the way Karaka talks about Bam or Viol, and even the way he handles that situation when Bomb kind of you know derails uh, his initial negotiation plan went better than I thought it did. But in the loo that I thought Karaka would try to kill Bam, <laughs> and he didn't, so I'm like, okay, that went better. Like you know, it's kind of our losses here. Um, but he did kind of go like, all right, fuck you. Now I'm doing my own third thing, and like now that's another added complication to the pot of this team that's supposed to be working together because like you pissed me off, and it's like I feel like Karaka is testing Bam. Because he, you know, A, he wants to see what Jin Sung saw in Bam. And B, he wants to know how worthy this guy is as, you know, a rival as far as a, a Slayer candidate. And, like, if Bam doesn't come through, and I think that means, like, if Bam's not willing to do what needs to be done, if he's not willing to, like, fall in line, but in the sense of, like, being a Slayer and, like, what Fug has to do, um, you know, then ultimately Karaka's not about it. But I think mainly this is like about Karaka just trying to find out what kind of person Bam is. Um, but Karaka is not, you know, patient or nice necessarily or, you know, comforting or understanding or any of those things. So when things go wrong or things don't go his way, he has a tendency to lash out and, you know, kind of just be like, all right, fuck off. I'm gonna do my own thing. So I think it's going to be interesting going forward. Cause I don't know. I honestly don't. It's funny. Cause when we were talking about season two, I was like, Oh, I think Karaka is turning good side like, or might, you know, turn tails. 
I don't really know necessarily because I think he might be, and you know, I, it could still go that way. But I guess what I'm thinking, or what I'm saying is, in that last discussion, I think I was, I was almost admitting the fact that like. Karaka has gone through a lot of trauma, and the person he already is might be a tougher shell to crack than, like, I initially thought. Like, there might be some, like, deep-seated shit in there where he's like, all right, this was a bad idea. Fuck this. Like, I'm, you know what I mean? And he might end up turning back on his old stuff just because that's what he knows. So I think this is going to be a pretty rocky... Like, what we saw here with them teaming up however long they do, this might be pretty consistent. Where it's like, Karaka goes in with a plan, and Bam's like, no, fuck that. That's... We're doing this. And he's like, what the fuck do you mean? And, like, they end up butting heads a lot more often than not. Yeah. It's a very, uh, it's a very strenuous pairing mm. that we have here in situation. Like they're being held together by threads. Yeah. And Karak is like, okay, I'll give you my pinky. You know what I mean? As something, and then bombs messing with it. He's like, nope. You know, I'm taking taking my taking my toe out of the water here. Uh, this is a bad idea. You know, but he's just kind of testing it, seeing how it's going. Um, so it's even bigger brass balls for Bomb to do that because, you know. Bottom line is Karaka doesn't have to help him. But that's the thing. Bomb knows that, I guess, as well, right? So he's like, I, I'm i going into this knowing what's going on. So, Yeah, but I will say, though, that like with his thing, uh, with this job specifically, right, Karaka needs um, Yama's help in order to take on Jihad's empire, right? That's mm-hmm. why that's here came to Morocco, uh, Madaraka for it. So he's requesting um, Yama's help specifically. And he's like, all right, you want my help? Go get me Dang Dang. But it's like Dang Dang, who was that little, you know, scared kid who's trapped in this place. Like, I'd have a hard time if you sent Bam in there to get this kid out and you said Karaka, that that kid would have come out with Karaka versus Bam. Mm-hmm. So I think while Karaka doesn't need Bam as an ally for himself, he might recognize that there are situations and things that Bam can get done that Karaka either can't or can't get done as easily. So, like, that's where that's where this alliance started. Yeah. You know I think I mean? it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they're, they each they each can utilize each other for their strengths and, and you know, to cover for their weaknesses. Sure, you know, yeah, just yeah, as yeah. in mm-hmm. any sort of alliance, whether it's a tentative one or not, yeah. um, that'll be just kind of the dynamic between both of them. So, mm-hmm. it is interesting to see. But, anyway, moving on to the last question here we have by Irene Sharda. Thank you very much. Irene, I have to say you had... Uh, a litany of very upvoted questions and I didn't get to go with all of them because we needed to give some other people some, some chance here. Um, But great questions (laughs) just in general. And I just want to let you know that we did read all of them and and they were interesting. Um, But this question we found particularly interesting because we were joking about it (laughs) in our live stream. Um, And I just think it's a great question. And Dorsey seems to have more interest in what's going on with Rachel than bomb does. We also know that Rachel holds a grudge against Endorsey. What do you think will happen when Endorsey goes after Rachel? Uh, I think this is a very interesting thing because I find it uh, striking that Bomb has now finally decided to give up on the, you know, on well, at least he's like for, you know, at least we think for now, but he's going to, he's like, Rachel, I kind of don't care. Like, whatever. Do your thing. Like, you have the questions, but like, all right, bottom line, I'm still sticking to my guns here. Don't come back. Um, whereas and Dorsey is actively seeking that. And it almost seems like another example of somebody else that isn't bomb trying to, trying to do what they think is best for bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Dorsey's guilty of this. I think Kuhn is guilty of this. I think Hua Ryun is guilty of this. I think a lot of people are guilty of this. Um, and this is just something where it's like, I don't think this is like, I think she might in her mind masquerade. This is like, this is for bomb, but really it's for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's going to go. And she really now is more pissed at Rachel than bomb is in the sense that it's like, I like bomb <clears throat> might be in love with him. And you're, you are a huge thorn in his side. You've been doing a lot of shit to really piss me off and to just kind of ruin this whole thing that's going on. And, and, and just be an annoying bitch, <laughs> you know, uh, to, to give it to you straight here. And uh, I don't trust that you're not going to do something again. Like, Bomb might have given you the cold shoulder but, like, let you live. I don't trust that you're going to be able to do that. And kind of like I feel like Kuhn did earlier where he's like, this is what's best. Like, we got to just axe her, right? This is the whole thing. We're going to destroy her. I feel like Endorsey might be going through a similar thing here. Like, she she wants to just stomp out the weed where it is and not let it grow and take root and then just destroy the whole home there as well. But I think that's kind of the dilemma here and potentially the uh the clashing is that maybe again bomb is like dorsey like it kind of doesn't matter like 
mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And then Dorsey has to kind of look introspectively and be like, wait, am I actually doing this for bomb or am I doing this for myself? And if I am doing it for myself, do, is that more important? You know, um, like what, what takes more precedent here? So that's my opinions on it. And I think that's interesting. I think it's a good question because I'm curious to see where that comes to a head. And Rachel wants it out for Endorsey too. Mm-hmm. So Rachel's going to need some sort of power up again, but she does have Gustang, even though she's a pawn. But the point is, if she's a pawn, Gustang is going to let her die when he deems it necessary for her to die. So if Endorsey tries to pull the trigger too quickly and it's not Rachel's time to bite it, then, you know, she, there's Gustang on her side mm-hmm. at, at that rate, right, for whatever his reasons might be. Um, so that'll be an interesting dynamic as well. Like maybe Endorsey has to take a step back and just, like, let things play out how they will. But there's a lot of emotion and, and stakes in this. So, um, but, yeah, that I think going after her is might potentially might be overreaching at this point, but I understand why she's doing it for the reasons that I laid out. I don't know if you guys have thought. Uh, I actually think that I think something different. I think that she genuine. I mean, sure. I think that stuff might be a part of it, but I don't actually think that's like the overwhelming reason why she's going after Rachel. I think there is genuine interest in what her goal is and like why she's how a, how she's been able to, manipulate Emily in the manner that she has and like what the point of any of that is like what the end goal is for either her or her group um and I don't you know not that anyone way is right or wrong but regardless I think Endorsey has now taken a personal stance in like that side of the you know that group and like what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing and so I think it's going to be like I think I think before it was purely like hey you're fucking with Bam, who I have feelings for, and that's, you know, a no-no, and I don't appreciate that or whatever. And even like she said it before, I'm a little jealous of that, at least as far as the attention that Bam ha- or wants to give you. But I think if Bam has, like, you know, sort of cut her off, you know, again, like maybe at least for now or whatever, I don't know, at least right now, Bam has, has been like, no, you know, I'm done with Rachel. Um I don't know. It it seems like kind of it seems like a little bit of a stretch for me personally that it's like okay, now she's going after her because she's still just that jealous that Rachel had that attention um or is is she still concerned that that Bam like you know just still hasn't 100% let her go. Um so I think plus like I feel like there's got to be this like this this has to be the way, or or could be the way, I guess, that the whole Emily plotline like gets worked back into, or or stays relevant, right? Because if it's like we're just going after Rachel, then it kind of emphasizes like Rachel and like Yura and like what they're what they're doing, and not necessarily like what's going on with all the tech and stuff and all their connections and networking and like how did they get here, who do they know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and maybe she's do- using it as like a backdoor thing of like, oh, if Endorsey finds out how to get a hold of Emily or how to use Emily. Maybe she can like, she can use it and then get a hold or uh, get a hold of, or get in contact with, you know, various people that maybe she knows from, you know, the time in her life before she started climbing the tower. What do you think, Evan? Yeah, I I have wild theory time. And that's, (laughs) I think that with Endorsey going after Rachel, I think Rachel is going to capture Endorsey and hold her actually as almost hostage leverage, um, either against Bam or luring Bam. Because um, for me, it seems pretty clear that Rachel has a big thrill of the hunt with Bam kind of coming after her in a way because Mm. she is the only real connection that she has. And even though she will deny that night and day, it is seems quite obvious that like with Bam chasing her tickles her inside in a weird way. Um, so with that, if Bam is going cold turkey and not really coming after her, um, and Endorsey is going after Rachel, I feel like that just kind of ties it up with a bow where she can take Endorsey and be like, hey, Bam, ding-a-ling-a-ling, I have your bitch here. Um, if you want her, uh, if you kind of want to hit that, come get her. And then that kind of just like, like, will cause that like kind of bam shift to maybe go over there and, and kind of focus on that whole Rachel side going, you know, a little bit in on them and what they've been up to. Um, but with that, the only way she would be able to capture in Dorsey is by some wish that Gustang gave her or power up in a sense. So I feel like just that it, like for me, the scene that I painted for myself ties everything up with a knot because then you get the Gustang, what Rachel got, you get the display on how strong she is now with what she got from Gustang or at least with um, 
say she got like a bodyguard in a sense because she's able to capture, say, a princess like in Dorsey. So that kind of, you know, allows, you know, SIU to flex racial muscles in terms of, you know, what she has resource wise um, and how much of a threat she can be. Um, and then, you know, also cue into that whole side as well as, you know, going on to BAM's side and what they're up to. So you kind of have eyes on both ends um, until they eventually meet at some point, which they're going to have to in the future. So, um, yeah, that is my wild theory hour, Gavin. <laughs> that was an interesting theory, actually, and it makes a lot of sense, given that I totally agree that I feel Rachel feels this emptiness inside without Bomb chasing her, although he she pushes him every time. She can never give him the satisfaction of actually catching her. That thrill of the chase for her is is motive is motivating and what makes her feel complete right which makes her feel valid that somebody's actually coming after me because yep. quite frankly nobody else really gives a shit about me at all so i'm gonna keep pushing him away but the the thing i fear is that i'm irrelevant right i'm not a shining star i'm a dud so i actually think that's a very interesting theory and one that i could definitely see playing out and i think it'd be the perfect way to then, you know, try and spite bomb and be like, oh, okay, bomb, you're leaving me on red. Like, mm -hmm. you're gonna do it now. You know, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. If you don't come back, come back into my life. You know, mm -hmm. and then and then whatever. Uh, so she's just kind of going through these desperate, pathetic attempts. I could see that playing out. It's a good one. It's a good one. Anybody have anything else they want to say before we uh, wrap it up for today? I think so, Gavin, Isaiah. Um, I kind of think what you said is gonna happen. Like I, what you said might happen is going to happen, but mm -hmm. I will hate it if that's what happens. Yeah, oh, everyone will hate that it. That is <laughs> just so stupid. Yeah, and it's so Rachel because it's so stupid. It's and that's so what Rachel. makes it plausible. It's like <laughs> the so dumb. dumbest, most convenient way to keep this fucking bitch relevant. It, it's like the most relevant. Rachel move to make. Oh. Like, <laughs> fuck that bitch. oh, man. Wild. Anyway, folks, that is our discussion today. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it for the banter, the laughs, the arguments, everything. It's all part of what makes us the AOA show. So we're going to go and strangle each other after this. Um, <laughs> now, for real, though, if you guys enjoyed the video, make sure you guys are leaving a like on this video. You are subscribing to the channel, hitting that bell if you are new here so you don't miss any future content coming out from the AOA show. Uh, also, hit us up on AOA Reacts and subscribe there so you can catch all of our live reactions and our live read-throughs to Tower of God, these chapters included. You definitely don't want to miss that. That was a blast. And comment your thoughts down below. What did you think of the questions posed, our answers to them? Would you have answered them in any which way that was different from the way we did, right? Did we miss something, gloss over it, et cetera? Let us know all those comments down below. Uh, big shout out to our patrons as well. We have Stoic and Nathan in our Acolyte of Anime tier. Thank you very much. Love you all from the bottom of our heart. Definitely join that Discord. The link is in the description down below so you could pose your questions that might just be read in next week's discussion. But... Until next time, folks, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you all on the flip. Peace. Peace. Peace out. Ninjas are samurais. Blaze of the cool eyes. Find me in the leaf of the cloud. Screaming out Bankai. We just some ghouls, though. Who likes seeing parts fly? They like what you saying. Goma got more through the storylines. I tested your neck from the start. My hunters gon' come for your heart. I promise you'll land in my boulevard. Left them in one piece. No.